Our message today comes from Malachi, chapter 3. Hear these words. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, have not perished. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I will rebuke the locust for you, so that it will not destroy the produce of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not be barren, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will count you happy, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. You have spoken harsh words against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What do we profit by keeping his command or by going about as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Now we count the arrogant happy. Evildoers not only prosper, but when they put God to the test, they escape. Then those who revered the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord took note and listened, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who revered the Lord and thought on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act, and I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. Then once... More you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'd like to say that um, subtlety is probably not my motive today. Uh, Today's Commitment Sunday, which I often say that if we're in the midst of a stewardship campaign, my uh, uh, dear father would say, hold on to your wallet. Anytime preachers are talking about money, be careful because sometimes their motives are less than appropriate. Now, as we come to look at Scripture today, having spent, I think, four weeks up till now, this is the fifth week. If I was trying to make a point, five weeks for stewardship, y'all know that I prefer uh, sermon series to be three weeks long because I figure if it's four weeks, it's longer than my attention span, and it might be longer than yours. And so five weeks communicates to you that I am making a point. 
I am excited for the moment as we think about how do we measure our lives? How do we measure our lives? We have talked about measuring our lives by who and how we love, by who and how we serve, and by how we give. And in addition to that, we have heard from our own in the midst of Laity Sunday celebration about what this place means to us. And so today, I want to engage some scripture, a particular set of scripture, Malachi. Now, Malachi is a prophet, and I have said regularly for my whole ministry that when a prophet shows up on your front door, it's going to get worse before it gets better. God doesn't send a prophet out to say, hey, I hope you have a good day, right? There's no greeting card section over in Target for prophetic announcements. When a prophet shows up, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Now, I want to tell you, there was this one particular time that I was sitting in the pews before I had gone into ministry, and um, I remember the pastor standing up and saying, last Sunday, our church was robbed. In fact, uh, he uh, read from a particular statement. He said, we're thankful that no one was injured physically, but it will be some time before things are all back to normal. He said it's clear that more than one person was responsible. In fact, there may actually be many people who were party to the crime. Two things are most unfortunate about this particular robbery. One is that we have no assurances that it won't happen again, and that's a bit unnerving. The other unfortunate element is that we're certain that those who carried out the robbery are members of our own church. It's bad enough to know that a theft has occurred, but it's really hard to imagine that professing Christians would actually steal from God and the ministries of the church. We can certainly hope that anyone who has participated in this act will repent and repay what's been taken. Now the troubling thing, he would say, it's reported that some of the stolen money has been used for vacations, cars, boats, designer clothes, homes, and even dining out. We don't have a complete list of the suspects, but there is consolation in knowing that God does. Uh, you haven't read about this, he told us in the pews, uh, in the papers, because we didn't think that publicizing it or even reporting it to the police would result in a conviction. One of the most challenging things about the robbery is that it happened on Sunday morning in broad daylight as we were passing the offering plates. One would hope that the robbery won't happen again, but we'll have to see. I looked back uh, in kind of news reports for the worst church burglary ever. <laughs> I thought, you know, if we're going to do uh, uh, how can you rob God, let's go full tilt. And what I found is that there was one church um, on the wrong side of town uh, in Cincinnati, and that that church had been robbed 21 times in its first year of operation. They had bought an elementary school that was now defunct, and the robberies would happen almost like clockwork. Now, the things that they would take were the copper pipes and the wires. It was an 
older building. It was a huge building, hard for the church to control the space. They said that over the course of two weeks, they were hit seven times. That it was like a knowledgeable robber. They knew how to shut down the circuit panel for one section of the school to rip out all the copper wiring. It's an interesting thing to to think about a robbery. It's an interesting thing to think about a burglary, especially a brazen burglary in the midst of worship. Now, Malachi is talking to the, uh, the Israelites. They have come back from the Babylonian exile. Now, if you were uh, an Israelite, the Babylonian exile was the biggest thing to happen, right? Bigger than OJ, bigger than 9-11, bigger than uh, astronauts landing on the moon. This was that one moment when because of Israel's sin, God let the Babylonians carry them off away from the Holy Land. And so after the Babylonian exile ended, uh, faithful Jews from all over the world returned to the Holy Land. And as they returned to the Holy Land, they built uh, walls, they rebuilt the temple. Uh, Nehemiah was one of the leaders during that time. Uh, But there is a series of prophets who show up after the exile. And that series of prophets continue to remind the Israelites about what faithful living looks like. And they are reminded about divorce, and they are reminded about witchcraft, and they are reminded about all of these particular behaviors that God doesn't like. Now, what's interesting is that Malachi is one of the last prophetic voices. In fact, after Malachi gives his prophetic uh, messages, um, when you read scripture, there is a silence of 400 years. That after uh, Malachi and his um, group of prophets, there is no prophetic message, neither good nor bad, neither encouraging or critical, for 400 years. And that silence gets broken with the coming of Jesus. I want you to kind of clarify that moment for you, that Malachi is at the end of the road, that the Israelites have been um, insistent. Um, You know, when Malachi says, return to me and I'll return to you, he's speaking for God. And and you have to kind of think about the Israelites as uh, kind of petulant teenagers, you know, like, 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 talk to me, come sit at the table, clean your room. And the teenager says, how can I clean my room? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to show you, right? Return to me and I'll return to you. And the response from the nation of Israel is, how will we return to you? And so this kind of ups the ante for Malachi. And so Malachi says back, would you rob God? And this would be, you know, to think about the temple being robbed was just an amazing, you know, that would be the heist of the century. And even in that accusation that Israel had robbed God, and I have to honestly believe that Uh, Though there are 613 laws in the Old Testament and and that Jews are focused on keeping all of those laws and and that to break the law was to take from God what was rightfully God's, 
I think it's important to recognize that we're really not talking about money here. That, that Malachi is really talking about heart. That Malachi is really talking about a commitment of life, a, a commitment of principle, a vow to lean into that relationship. I, I firmly believe that um, God can create and do and work with anything. That God doesn't need our money, nor did God need the Israelites' tithe. But what God does need is that willingness for us to engage. There's a great preacher joke. It goes that um, the scientists of the world decide to challenge God. They're going to have a creation contest. They're going to start with uh, dirt, right? If you're familiar with Genesis, this is how it all begins, right? Um, And so God is lined up on one side and the scientists of the world on the other and is televised and streamed on YouTube and you name it, right? And as they go to start, God says, you go first. And the Israelites gather together the dirt and they are about to make something. You remember Genesis chapter two, God forms humanity, forms Adam out of the mud and the clay. And right as they're about to form that dirt into something, God says, wait, you can't start with dirt. I made the dirt. You got to make something first. This laugh, laugh because that was really a poorly delivered joke. Thank you, right? But this idea that, that God creates out of nothing, that God is sufficient as God is, but that God invites us into a relationship. I once went to one of these management, be a better pastor uh, administration workshops. And this particular leader had uh, 13 rules for us to keep during the three-day workshop. Some of them were uh, to not sit in the same spot after a break. It was also not to be on a device. It was, uh, what was it? Not to be late. Uh, There were a number of them. At the end of the three days, he asks us again, he says, and we had to sign like a little covenant that we were going to do the rules, right? You've, you've done this before. And at the end of the third day, he says, stand up if you broke any of our agreements. And most of the room stood. And it was instructive to me among a bunch of pastors how easily it is for us to give our word of commitment and then to go back on it. I don't think what happens in Israel uh, at Malachi's uh, day and age is any different than what happens in our lives today. And I think that that um, formation of commitment and character is important. Commitment cards are less about the dollars that are placed on it, and it's more about the engagement with a congregation, the engagement with God. God promises to provide for us in every way. And when you look back over your life, you can see where God has showed up and delivered, where God has been behind the scenes, bringing about beautiful things to happen in your life. God doesn't want us to give so that we can make good on our debt. God doesn't keep a record of our financial, uh, what we financially owe to God. But what God would love is for us to engage. What God would love is for us to keep our commitments. I like to think of commitments as a matter of character. A character is 
that willingness to do the thing that brings about a good solution long after the excitement of the moment has passed. Think about that. Uh, Character is the willingness to bring about a good resolution long after the exciting moment has passed. I like to think of back to that exciting moment of when I stood at First Methodist Longview on May 23rd, 1998, right there with uh, the college campus pastor that I had gone to uh, uh, college with and Amy Cox, this sweet college um, uh, girlfriend become fiance. And as we pledged our love to each other, right, that commitment and character is being able to bring about a good resolution long after the exciting moment has passed. And so I understand we have all been long in the tooth. We are all down the road of discipleship. But I would encourage you to remember back to that exciting moment and continue to lean into a good resolution. Uh, I think that Malachi chapter 3 could be applied in large swaths all over our world, country, and culture. But because I like being your pastor, we'll only apply it in one specific slice. I, I want you to think, what do we owe God? What are our commitments? What is our opportunity to engage with the one who loves us, the one who forgives us? I want to close with one story. Um, uh, 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 Roger McQuilligan uh, wrote a book. Uh, he was a missionary and seminary pre- president in the Baptist faith. Um, he gave up his seminary uh, appointment uh, when his wife came down with Alzheimer's. And he dedicated his life to caring for her throughout the rest of her life. And at one time they were uh, traveling, they were in the airport, and because of the um, memory loss that his wife had had, um, and she'd always been a speed walker, somebody who loved to exercise, that they passed the time by randomly, his wife would get up and begin walking off to the other terminal. And he would follow behind. And this went on for easily a half hour. Occasionally, his wife would get up and search for something. And if you've ever cared for somebody with Alzheimer's, I'm not sure what they're looking for, but you go along, right? And he continued this for 45 minutes. And finally, as they were about to board the plane, the woman behind them in line said, will I ever be able to find someone who will love me like you love her. And McQuilligan looked at her and said, you already have, that it's God's life in you, that it's God's love for you, that it is God's willingness to follow and to pursue and to keep God's commitments that allow me to keep my commitment to my wife. There's something powerful about engaging, about embracing, about giving a sign, giving um, notice, making it clear to everyone what your commitments are, who you love, and what God is doing in your life today. It's a... um, 
It is not a Sunday for uh, subtleties. Any preacher that picks to preach on Malachi chapter 3 on Commitment Sunday must have issues. I got some. I think God will do amazing things among us and through us, and already has, if we'll just lean in and engage. I hope today that you're able to return commitment cards. If not, you can do that throughout uh, the next couple of weeks. You can find commitment cards in the back if you weren't given one. And I hope that you'll leave them at the offertory table. <laughs> what a weird world we live in in pandemic days. We used to pass the plate. Now I just really pray that you go out this door and pass by the table. All this we ask in the name of the one um, who uh, loves us, forgives us, and sustains us. Amen.